Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show here. It's 308, almost 309. Hopefully, your day's winding down. Hump day's almost done on this Wednesday, July 12th, 2023. This is a very high UV index, so be careful about that. 84 degrees. Had some sprinkles up by me when I was leaving the house. What did I leave? About 115, 1 o'clock. I left the house today. was doing some show prep at home. Uh, when I got home from work yesterday, I did get the grass cut. I uh, was a little motivated when I got home. I got home about 7, 7.15, uh, started cutting the grass. And, and I, I ended in the dark, but I got it all done. You know, every time I, I was going to cut it a little early and leave a patch for the next day or the, the day after or the day after that, you know how procrastination goes. Um, but I, I you know, pushed through and said, okay, let's keep going, let's keep going, almost done, almost done, and as the sun got lower and lower and lower, and then it was gone, and then the twilight started going, and it was dark, you know, pulled the, pulled the zero turn in the shed in the dark, but it was all done. That was good to, to get behind me, you know, got in the house. I think I finally ended up having dinner around 9, 9.30, so, so there's that, but, uh, you know, you got to do those chores. You got to keep up on the property. The longer I let it go, the uh, the higher it gets and the harder it is to cut, and, and and I get that. I should have cut it on Saturday. You know, I was being lazy. It was a nice hot day. I should have did it that morning. I could have did it early enough and got it out of the way, jumped in the pool. But, you know, like I said, I procrastinated. This time of year, you know, once a week is lucky. Uh, I did it last Saturday or Sunday, so I got a little little over a week this time, a week week and two days. Um, and that was pushing it, you know, the, the, the zero turn. And I have a commercial zero turn, a big one, uh, Bush hog. And uh, it was, uh, it was uh, struggling at some, some of the depths there. There was some places higher than others. But I'm not telling you anything you guys don't know. You're all cutting your grass out there one way or another, either with the push mower self-propelled, the big tractors, the big uh, John Deere's or whatever you have, the zero turns. It's one of the things of having property here in Northeast Pennsylvania. You know, if you have a a quarter acre or, you know, a couple acres like I do. It's that short we need to do. Um, you know, I, I was I was looking at this story about uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, the, the hockey organization, and it, it seems to be a carryover from COVID where they're having these, uh, these Zoom or virtual press conferences. Uh, I'll bring in our, our, our regional, our local uh, expert on sports, Jake, into this. Jake, Jake what's your opinion on, on them still continuing with these Zoom or, or virtual press conferences rather than in person getting up in their faces and answering questions? Yeah, Rob. First off, thanks for having me on. But it, it's, I feel like it's sort of run its course, in my opinion. Like, I totally understood it. I totally understood it during, say, 2020 or so, obviously, during the height of the pandemic and whatnot. But... I don't really un- understand the, the the need for it during this time around with pretty much any sport for that matter. I, I just, I, I really, I don't. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. saw what kind of, it, it had to be done. I, I get it, but we yeah. saw what kind of failure these virtual meetings where the zoom meetings are, you know, they were emergency act that had to be yeah. done. But you know, at this point in time, you know, especially in sports where, where it's that personal interaction, it's that contact, it's the expression mm-hmm. on the reporter's face, it's the tone of their voice. It's and I understand these are video chats, but it's not the same. Probably no. most of the people are sitting there in their underwear anyway, because it's only the top portion of their their bodies. But 
you know, it's it's just not the same interaction. I, I like that back and forth. I like when a general manager gets snippy. I like when a coach gets oh, yeah. snippy. I like when a player gets snippy or, or, or gets, uh, you know, emotional and such like that. And you really can't do that over these Zoom virtual meetings. And uh, the Philadelphia Flyers have some new, new uh, upper management there as well, right? Yeah, I was going to say the Philadelphia Flyers. I know that obviously they're very, very popular around this area. But I would say over the last couple of years or so, this has definitely been a team that obviously has not really lived up to the expectations that they might have had. I know that they had a losing season this past year. I think they were 31, 38, and 13, somewhere around that that region. They've definitely struggled a little bit these past few years. And to elaborate on what you were talking about with th- this particular Zoom, because, I mean, it's not really a press conference like you were saying. So they were interviewing – it was – Garnet Hathaway, and he spent his career in the NHL. He's been with Calgary, Washington, and the Boston Bruins. And on July 1st, he just signed a two-year contract with the Philadelphia Flyers. And this one reporter was asking him about, you know, how do you feel going to an organization that obviously is in rebuild mode? Yeah, a valid question, and, and yeah. I believe they have a new general manager, a new coach, or there's there's some someone new in the, in the management office so, there. As he's being asked this this question before he's ready to answer and whatnot, someone on a hot mic, it was leaked out, oh, I knew that she was going to ask the same effing question again. And that happens to be an intern that the Flyers hired. Uh, there was more than one. There, there were two of them, and interns that, that they hired to set up these meetings to make sure that, yeah. that the, the Flyers staff is prepared and ready to go, make sure the reporters are on, the links are good, everything's good. But like you said, there was a hot mic, and right after the question's asked, while Garnett Hathaway is answering that question, it comes over the entire thing for all the reporters to see. And this was live on their uh, on Lights Out on Hockey, yeah, um, on Twitter, and and you hear him comes out like I said, how many times are they going to ask this effing question? Yeah, and as it's written here, someone from the Philadelphia Flyers organization is getting fired, and then the emoji that they used was the cringe emoji. <laughs> Yeah, and it forced that their uh, hockey president of hockey operations, Keith Jones, and I believe he's new, um, said earlier today our team social media account streamed a recording of a virtual press conference which included disrespectful remarks by members of our social media staff. The team's president hockey uh, of hockey operations, Keith Jones, said in a statement, on behalf of the entire Flyers organization, I want to extend our apologies. Any disrespect towards reporters is completely unacceptable, especially – when they are simply doing their job, we have uh, reached out to the reporter and outlet personally to express our regret and will continue to promote an environment of mutual respect when working with media. I mean, if this isn't their call sign, if this isn't their sign to do away with these virtual meetings and start having people back in the locker room or in the press room yeah. to start doing these one on one where you don't have, you know, some college intern or some new person that's 20-something years old, that's social media savvy, that's tech savvy to do these things, because that's what it sounded like here. It sounded like, you know, this is the new generation that they're bringing in to handle this back office tech stuff with, with this new environment of virtual pre- or Zoom press conferences. I, I just, I don't like it. I, I don't I, I don't see it. And this is the exact reason here. I mean, yeah. something like this just highlights that, you know, again, we all saw the Zoom and virtual meetings as far as jobs go, you know, as far as meetings for anything. I mean, people were doing house closings with uh, with uh, notary publics over Zoom meetings at, at one point, I heard. Yeah, there was another tweet here, and this is from 
Molly Walker. She's an NHL reporter and a beat reporter for the New York Rangers, and she tweeted. She said, "Gotta love when the, you know the." And she obviously tweeted the Flyers account, but it said, "Gotta love when the Flyers PR department gets caught on a hot mic ripping a reporter's perfectly valid question during a press conference." tweets it out, and then deletes it. What a joke. The lack of respect is mind-boggling. Be better. It, it, it truly is. I, and for a team like the Philadelphia Flyers, that in the, in the, like you said, in the rebuilding stage, trying to get their act together, it looks like they're making all the right moves to do so. They're bringing in people. You know, here's, here's a seasoned free agent that they brought in. For the media to show that disrespect, you know, really doesn't. Uh, for, not the media. I'm sorry. For the their staff to show the disrespect yeah. to the media, who's gonna be there, do or die, as far as promoting what's going on, the good and the bad. Uh, I don't see anything good coming from them in the next couple of months, as far as uh, media no. coverage goes, because now it's out there how they feel that's, about the media. That's pretty much damage control, right then and there, when you're deleting it, and then obviously haven't haven't understandably so having to put out a statement about it, so. Yeah, and you're the new president of hockey operations, and one of your first duties as as that is to issue an apology to all the media and specifically the media organization. I haven't seen which media organization it was specifically. I haven't found yeah, I that have anywhere. To dive into it a little more here, but uh, it, it's just one of those reasons of this this technology that's uh, has been that was necessary during the pandemic. I get it, you know, I I, I understand that, but our, our sports are supposed to be, you know interactive they're supposed to be you know in person you know that that's why they charge so much for these sporting events you know even our triple a affiliates here the you know the pens here, here the the rail riders you know it's a good day it's a lot cheaper than going to the pros or, or such like that oh, for but sure. people want that personal interaction they want to be able to bang on the glass and yell at their hockey team they want to be able to cheer with their hockey team and and the same goes for the press. The press wants to be there. That's why every one of these arenas have press boxes. That's why they have these press conferences when there's not even you know when they're not even in season to to talk about the building up. It's just uh, I I think we need to do away with this uh, the virtual press conferences, the Zoom press conferences. I just I think they do a disservice to the entire sport and 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 the consumer, the the fans' perspective. I agree 100% on that. It's definitely run its course. All right. Well, hopefully we uh, – it says here, warning, the story contains coarse language. <laughs> and, and there's a link. Uh, I'm looking at the arrow to play the link, and, and I'm, yeah. I am I'm, I want to touch it, but I don't want to touch it because you know they really say the F word in there. Yeah. And, uh, and I believe it was said twice. I believe one, one of the tech people said it, and then another person s- mimicked the same thing, agreeing with them, saying, yeah, they, they continually uh, ask the same effing questions. And, uh, you know, we'll see. And it looks like this Garnet Hathaway, you know, you know a little bit more about his career than I do. You should said some of his background. It looks like he's going to be a great addition. Absolutely. Um, some senior memberships, some senior people in the locker room for them to bring in for the junior guys. Hopefully he shows a little leadership. But, uh you know, and the next time he goes in the locker room, you know, does he have a smirk on his face or does, is he embarrassed or, or, or what the next time he, he comes in front of the, the press corps? And I was going to say their new head coach talking about the Philadelphia Flyers, John Tortorella. I don't know if you remember him or not, but he used to be the head coach for the New York Rangers. There is never a dull moment or a dull word that comes out of that man's mouth. So I can only imagine. That would yeah. be something we should monitor. We should monitor the next press Zoom meeting or virtual press conference with him and the <laughs> yes. reporters, because I guarantee you he lets them have I it. Could, I mean, I could. I don't know if I 
I should pull it up just because, as I said, the colorful language that he has. But I remember it was a press conference. And, and let's face it, Rob, when it comes to Philadelphia and New York, there are no two tougher medias th- than those two right there. And I remember he was with the Rangers, and he was right in the middle of a press conference. And all of a sudden, you know how some people on their cell phones, they have like an actual, like, you know, like, like a telephone ringing yeah, or whatnot? Yeah. And he chewed their, well, I almost said it myself, but he, he chewed them out. He said, he, he's like, seriously, you're going to have that in the middle of a press conference? Do you not realize how disrespectful that is? And, I mean, he, he went on, and then rightfully so, he went on for like a good two or three minutes about it. But he's definitely one of my favorite personalities in the sport. Yeah, so hopefully we, we get to see that. I just got a text message. And, Rob, I got married during the height of the pandemic over Zoom. Thanks. Joe from Wapwallen. Wapawallon. Wapwallopin. Wapwallopin. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, all good. It's uh, 321 here in WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after this. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 324. What does that music mean? It's time for Rob's Rundown on this Wednesday, July 12, 2023. It's our stories that are happening around us. You know, we probably won't get into them in depth during the show today. Um, unless you want to call and talk about them, but they're happening in our atmosphere. We should be aware of what's going on. An Archibald suspect's been charged with an arson of an apartment. Wilkes-Barre General Hospital stops childbirth services all of a sudden. Despite opposition and costs, Lackawanna Trail to continue with a health center. Wellness center, I believe. Jury decides document found in Aretha Franklin's couch constitutes a will. So be careful what notes you write down and lose them in your couch, ladies and gentlemen. Rocking the River kicks off on Friday. Luzerne County approves $1 million in American rescue spending. Let's see where that money's going to go. Hanover Township approves waivers for a housing development. Geisinger, Wyoming Valley, to double in size. Does that help or hurt you guys that get serviced by Geisinger, Wyoming Valley? A U.S. retired general says the Wagner CEO is most likely dead. U.S. inflation drops 3%. There's little caveats to that. It's good news, but there's little caveats to that. It's not everything it seems to be. And the FBI director testifies before Congress today. What kind of crap show was that? It was basically partisan showboating on either side. I don't believe anything really got accomplished. And I'm getting tired of it from both sides. Let's govern, do your jobs, and make lives better for you or I. And that's it for Rob's Rundown on this Wednesday, July 12th, 2023. Um... Somebody texting, can we get rid of the glass shields at liquor stores too, LOL? Can we get rid of the glass shields everywhere? I mean, they were kind of useless. I mean, they, they, they're they a magnet for contaminants, and, and you know, people are touching them anyway. You see that plexiglass, people, you know, it's catching the cough droplets. It's catching, uh, um, you know, it's catching every all the bad stuff, not just, not just the COVID that's around, everything else that we're dealing with, and... Uh, you, know, you look at the fingerprints all over, and you're like, yeah, that's real uh, beneficial to, to you or I. I talked about it the, uh, yesterday, 
But this morning I was on 990 The Answer in Philadelphia. Good friend of mine, Chris DeGaulle show. Uh, Chris has been in the business a long time. He's a good friend, a mentor in the radio industry, and I really appreciate him. And when he when he talks about law enforcement stuff, he uh, likes to likes to bring me in. And he gave great plugs to this show. Talked about the show a lot down in the Philadelphia area. Got the the word out there. Gave the website out, and, and of course the station ID and everything. But we were talking about this survivalist uh, prison escapee, Michael Burham, who escaped from a Warren County prison last Thursday and still on the run. And then there's a 200-person task force that, that the noose is closing in on him. And, and make no mistake, I, I'd be surprised if this guy's not in custody by, by the weekend. You know, I've been, I've been checking. I just checked before I came on the show, you know, to see if he was captured. Because I, I expect it to be any day now. Because the, the people who are tracking him are very experienced at this and are very good at what they're doing. And, and there's a lot of questions for the Warren County prison system. In this now, if if you don't know, he tied some bed sheets, and it was like a thirty foot rope that he uh, made out of these bed sheets to repel out of a window. Uh, he climbed on top of some gym equipment, got out a window, and repelled down on this homemade rope made out of bed sheets. Now, it's nothing new to see bed sheets being made into ropes, uh, you know, to to get people out of prison. But this happened at eleven twenty at night. So my first question is, why is someone in the gym at eleven twenty at night in a prison? So, I mean, that's question number one, and there might be a valid reason for that. You know, maybe they have so many people in the prison that they have to break up, you know, gym time to where your slot of time is that late at night. You know, I don't know, but it's, you know, looking at it from the outside in, former law enforcement, you know, I question why is someone even in the gym area at 1120 at night? Second of all, whoever did the threat assessment for this prison, you know, you didn't look and see gym equipment where someone could reach a window from it. You know, even if they jumped or however impractical it was, there is the possibility there. And you're in jail. You should really account for those things. But as far as the escape, this person's a former Army Reserve veteran. He's a skilled survivalist. Uh, he's wanted for several crimes, uh, um, a, a murder in uh, Jamestown, New York, a kidnapping and burglary, you know, in Pennsylvania. There's some crimes in South Carolina. Now, he's really had no criminal record until this spree. And it seems like in May, all these crimes kind of happened in May. He was arrested and sent to the Warren County Prison, held on a million dollars bail, and uh, escaped. But the people who are searching for him are are some of the best in the business. And, you know, I know them personally. I, I've worked with some of them. Um, you know, the the colonel, the head of the state police, Pennsylvania State Police, now was the commander of the barracks at Blooming Grove when the attack ambush that killed the Pennsylvania State Trooper and wounded uh, another. Uh, He was the commander there at Blooming Grove. And now he's in charge of the entire state police. Uh, So, you know, we all remember the manhunt with uh, Eric Freen. So he's no stranger to that. As a matter of fact, he's an expert at it. And then you have people like uh, Mark Rutowski, who's the head of the Game Commission Special Operations Division. And they have resources like you wouldn't believe. They have, you know, canines. They have tracking ability. They, They This is what they specialize in. And they were very paramount also in assisting with the Eric Freen search. So they are very skilled at this. And you also have the U.S. Marshals. You have the FBI Fugitive Task Force. You, you have some of the best in the business, and there's about 200 of them coming in. They're finding the camps that this guy has been in you know, a day or two before, and that noose is closing in. That, that's what I was told by those on the ground. The noose is closing in. You know, there is a fear he is dangerous. There is a fear he may be armed at this point. They believe he's getting help from the outside but they still believe he's in the Warren County area. 
But that news is closing, and I'd be surprised if he's not in custody by the weekend, uh, the latest, because uh, you know they are doing things tactfully, and uh, you know that noose is closing in on him. So hopefully they have him in custody. Uh, there is a, a warning to the people in that area in Warren County to to be on the lookout. And if you see this person, please call nine one one. I've posted the stories and the pictures, but uh, it was a good it was a good time this morning on nine nine. Did the answer on my friend Chris Stegall's show. I'll post a link to that interview on my social media as well, Rob O'Donnell on Facebook. It's 3.32 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Sorry about that. You brought the rain, Jake. Brought the rain with that Beverly Hills cop music. Uh, Hopefully we don't get more of them, but if it's out there, uh, it looks like it's going to start heading our way. If it's out in Bradford County, it's probably going to start moving closer to us. So expect a couple of ES warnings. Yeah, I'm looking at the camera here, and it's starting to get pretty cloudy outside. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It looks like it's all the way. It's it looks like it's going to hit the upper tier of Lackawanna County, um, and all across it. It's out near Williamsport and Lock Haven and Clearfield, so it's coming our way. So expect some some heavy rain showers coming our way, and maybe some more EAS um, warnings. Um, on this day in history, July twelfth, eighteen sixty two, Abraham Lincoln signs the bill creating the U.S. Army's Medal of Honor. Now, a year prior, in 1961, the Navy had established their Medal of Honor. 1861, sorry about that, 1861. Uh, And in 1862, they expanded it for the Army Medal of Honor. And uh, the Air Force has theirs as well. Um, That came later when the Air Force was, was developed. Uh, there are only 65 living Medal of Honor recipients, according to the Medal of Honor Historic Society of the United States. But Abraham Lincoln had the foresight to realize that some of our military members do extraordinary things at great risk to their life. And we've seen it time and time again. And uh, it looks like on February 15th, 1862, Senator William, uh, Henry Wilson of Massachusetts, a Republican in Massachusetts, then chair of the Senate Committee on Military Affairs and the Militia, introduced a resolution for the Medal of Honor for the Army according to the U.S. Army Airborne and Special Operations Museum. Congress approved the resolution, and then President Abraham Lincoln signed it into law on this day, July 12th in 1862, a resolution to provide for the presentation of Medals of Honor to the enlisted men of the Army and volunteer forces who have distinguished or may distinguish themselves in battle in battle during the present rebellion. This is one of the movies that anytime it's on, I have to watch. This 48 hours, any Beverly Hills cop, the 48 hours, uh, trading, trading places, they're, they're all... All great era movies. Murphy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to pop up right now and be like, "How you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> 40th anniversary next year, Rob. Is it really? Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Wow. Oh, we'll have to do something on that. It's 3:46 here at the WILK News Radio. We were talking about the the Medal of Honor and how the the it was expanded for the Army Medal of Honor in 1862 from President Lincoln on this day. It was approved. Uh, instituted by Congress in 1861 for the Navy, then 1862 for the Army, the honor was at f- at first awarded to only enlisted men, with officers later permitted to receive the award, according to the Medal of Honor uh, Historic Society. So I just wanted to wrap that up. Uh, I just wanted to wrap that up um, due to the EAS breaks we had. 
there because it definitely deserves the respect of uh, giving you guys the full story on its history. So it looks like um, the city of Scranton had a Philadelphia firm that will be studying the potential new Naog Park pool complex under a proposal before the city council. So what, the pool's been closed since, what, 2019, uh, I believe? I'm, I believe we were discussing the other day. So three, four years for them just to get a firm to study a design of a potential new, new uh, pool complex. Now it's a step in the next step that hopefully could deliver a new pool or splash pad. I believe they're saying that, yeah, it last hosted swimmers in 2019 and was plagued with problems. Uh, talking about working in slow motion, but maybe maybe the AOC of Scranton can get something done here as far as uh, you know getting a pool ready to go. Um, you know there was a they did seek some information in 2021 in a feasibility study and design of a new complex, and they they had some some things there. And again, you know you give a little break because of COVID, but. You couldn't get design issues. People couldn't go out to a park during COVID around when, when no one's around and, you know, get your schematics and get your ideas and figure out, you know, wasn't that the time to be brainstorming a new complex? But this new feasibility study, this new study and design will be costing the city of Scranton uh, almost $360,000, 356741 which will come out of a fund from the city's uh, $1 million local share account grant. So they're looking at these firms to come down there, and, and they're saying it's a step forward, which I guess anything's a step forward, but they're saying the construction for a potential pool complex would likely, wouldn't likely begin until 2025. So six years to get a pool complex in the city of Scranton and uh, – you know, I know this was, this has been a, a thing of contention from the people who live in Scranton. Um, you know, I'm kind of lo- on the outside looking in. I have seen how unkept is probably uh, a kind word. Naog Park has been. Um, you know, it was a it was a great destination at one point, and it's not so much. But six years to maybe even just start construction, and then you're talking, what, another year or two of construction? Sounds a bit much. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after the Bloomberg Money Minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 353, 85 degrees. Uh, we have those storms coming through some of our listening areas, so be careful if you're driving around, if you're outside doing anything Looks like there might be some thunder or lightning involved in this, so so just be careful. Your safety is paramount to us. Just don't want to see uh, you guys not uh, get caught in one of them squalls, so be careful out there. Uh, somebody says, uh, Texter, uh, that's much for the design. Yeah, $360,000 for the design of uh, the program, but you get engineers involved when they can and can't do. Got another texture and says, Rob, when I was a kid back in 1960s up at Naog, they had what was called the Lake Lincoln it was the biggest man-made lake. It was huge. It seemed like uh, the length of a football field and just as wide. It was 13 feet deep at one end and uh, tailed off like one foot in the other. They should have never gotten rid of it. I don't remember that. Uh, I guess the 60s. I got here uh, I got here in 2003, 2004. 
So, uh, but I remember taking the kids up there to the zoo and, and everything like that and being around there. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Um, let me go to the phones. We have uh, Andrew from Stanhope, New Jersey, on Cognetti in the Scranton Pool. Andrew. Hey, how's it going? It reminds me of uh, the old Saturday Night Live skit with uh, Chris Rock. He would play this character <laughs> that no matter what the price was, he would say, good Lord, that's a lot of money. And then he would have, like, an alternative cheap version. But, like, he would say, how much for a draft? $5. And he would say, $5. Good Lord. How about you squeeze some out of the rag and I'll give you 20 So he would say, uh, I'll give you a shovel and $30 and you dig a hole. <laughs> but uh, the mayor, if you told her it's for the trans kids or LGBT community, the pool would already be constructed. And... Um, Trump, the New York City, the ice rink in Central Park, he became prominent because they had a similar issue where the mayor of New York and the politicians, mostly all Democrats, were saying, okay, it's going to cost like over $10 million. And that was back in the 80s, $10 million. And they said it could take up to 10 years. <laughs> so Trump, as a builder, was like, what are you talking about? It's just an outdoor ice rink with some plastic bleachers and a little snack bar and back. Like, why is it this expensive? So then they turned it back on Trump and said, okay, well, let's see you do it. So he did it in eight months for $800,000. So that, like, helped him. And he became a Democrat. Know, he became a Democratic icon for doing that in New York City. <laughs> you're right. You're right. And I just want to say one last word on the mayor of uh, Scranton and also Taylor, and then compare with the guy in uh, Wilkes-Barre, because I, when I worked with the Fox 56, I interviewed them, and the guy from Wilkes-Barre, his personality is genuine, like he acts the same. <laughs> and uh, the one from Scranton and Taylor, what I noticed is that when they're on, on camera, they change their personality, and they, to me, they act like college girls, like they act sweet and not, you know, and, uh, like younger. But when they're off camera. They act more like older, like grown women, and they're kind of aloof and a little bit arrogant and standoffish. So when they're on TV, that's not their real personality. But the guy in Wilkes-Barre, that's his real personality. Well, that's a great observation by you, I mean, <laughs> regardless of who they are. And I appreciate your call, Andrew. Thanks for calling in. I mean, one of the first red flags for anyone, be, be it you know a woman, be it a guy, anyone in politics, uh, if they are different on camera than they are in person off camera, that's the, one of the biggest red flags you can have as a, as someone dealing with them, as a constituent especially, because uh, you know it, it just goes to show that they're not being genuine. They're phony. They're telling you what you want to hear. They're giving uh, you know, a line that that true charlatan uh, act that they put on. I've been very critical of the mayor of New York City, you know, Mayor Adams, because I know him personally. I've worked with him. You know, I worked with him for many years. I know how he was a police officer. I know him running on the law and order, you know, stance was all fake because he never did it when he worked the job. He he did everything he could to avoid doing the job of a law enforcement officer. Uh, he was very critical. He made sure to be vocally critical so that he would just get put in back rooms, get put in, in offices somewhere where he was able to study for the next exam. And that's how he moved his way up the chain. You know, he would cause enough noise to where they left him alone, put him somewhere where he could do the least damage, and he was able to study. And, uh, you know, Fail upwards, as they call it, and you know I saw it firsthand with that. Um, now we've we've heard that the UPS may be going on strike, uh, and they've been doing practice uh, 
practice pickets around there, but small business owners in our area say that uh, they're very concerned over it, and, and they're looking at alternatives, FedEx, uh, post office, and other ways to, to deal with this because a lot of them depend on uh, UPS for their lifeblood. And if they go somewhere else, not all of them are going to come back. So this, this strike is uh, not a win-win because – if the company loses money because business goes elsewhere, maybe not the same amount of employees, even though they may be making a little more money because of the strike, but maybe not the same amount will have a s- stable job for the foreseeable future because there will be cutbacks because of the loss in business. So this strike is bad for everyone. Hopefully they can come to an agreement. It's almost 4 o'clock here on WILK News Radio. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after this.